Woman Up, the podcast series launched by Desperate Artwives and the Women's Art Library. I'm Susan Merrick and today I'm talking to Laura Godfrey Isaacs, a visual artist turned midwife who is utilising her knowledge in both fields to create the Maternal Journal. Hello Laura. Hello, thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Um, please could you start by telling me a bit about your work as a visual artist and then the transition to becoming a midwife? Sure, that's a question I've been asked a lot, <laughs> so I've kind of rehearsed the uh, answer. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it seems on one level to be a very big change, but in other levels and in my own thinking to be a very natural sort of progression, because in a way my kind of experience as a visual artist was always to do with exploring kind of how to represent women, women's bodies, um, sort of visual theory around feminist use of the body and theory in visual arts. So that was always my preoccupation and, and as a visual artist, as a painter. And then I kind of did a shift, um, another shift when I was around in my mid-30s, which was around becoming a producer. And I set up this project, Home Live Art, and a lot of that work was around thinking about how could I operate as, as a woman, as a mother, um, as a sort of cultural sort of activist if you like or cultural worker um, and so I started using my home and so it was a very again connected to my experience as a woman as a mother or those were things that I was exploring and the artists that I invited were also exploring um, and then uh, another stage about six years ago I kind of felt like I'd come to the end somehow of that inquiry in that particular genre or that particular form and felt that I wanted to take work forward and somehow being a midwife seemed like an obvious step um, because, again, it was working with women, but in a different way. And also being an older woman, it, I sort of felt like I wanted to almost be like in a grandmother role and be sort of supporting younger women in that transition into being a mother and be in that sort of caring role. But as I quickly discovered, midwifery is a very deeply political um, profession um, and so I've found amazing kind of theorists and activists in midwifery that completely connect across for me in terms of the activism and the work that I was doing, the visual arts and the arts generally, and then into midwifery. And so for me, it's been a sort of a, a great transition. Um, obviously, I've had to learn a lot of new things, clinical skills that I had no experience of at all, um, and really embrace what midwifery is, which is a really broad kind of holistic um, practice um, and so it's it's been a fantastic transition actually and now what I'm doing is trying to bring the arts back into it as well which is not something I actually anticipated doing but it's just sort of emerged out of what I've been doing really. That's really interesting that you hadn't um, planned for it in that way but yeah. that it, it, it's obviously part of what you need to do in, in that it's come I, I have similar with my interpreting work um, so could you tell me a bit more about the home live art? Because that really piques my interest when you talk about um, doing things in a different way. So were, um, how, was that, um, 
How was that taken at the time in the art world, I suppose, wider art world and, and within your own art communities? Um, I mean, again, as I say, it was quite a pragmatic move for me, but I think it was a sort of shift in consciousness and a shift pragmatically from having been, I was sort of brought up in quite a tradition of the sort of studio-based artists, quite a sort of male kind of model that, you know, you, you, you are this singular artist, you go to your studio, you, you make work and then you exhibit it. And I had sort of, you know, coming through art college in the sort of 80s, that had been very much the model, um, unfortunately, until I met actually amazing tutor at the Slade, Paula Rago, who kind of really smashed that open. But nevertheless, that was the sort of model that I had adopted and actually in a way I was quite comfortable with because I am quite an obsessive person so I quite liked being in the studio for hours and making my work um, but then when I had children I think as much as my sort of consciousness had shifted anyway in terms of looking at feminist art practice it was also you know my life had changed and so the idea to sort of shift from being this kind of singular artist to being this more taking a more sort of curatorial sort of producer role um, kind of fitted and it also set up my I wanted to set up my own company I was fed up of sort of being feeling like as the artists I was kind of didn't have my own power enough um, even though I had started curating shows and I'd always been active in that way I still felt that I didn't have enough power in that relationship with the art world and so becoming you know setting up my own company using my own space my own home I felt like I really had a lot more power and control over what I was doing um, to curate, to produce um, and to set up events and things like that. And also much more flexibility over my own time, which was useful pragmatically with young children. Um, and so, yeah, for many, many reasons, it was an interesting shift and it kind of fitted with where I was in terms of my thinking and also my sort of life and how I could be the most effective, if you like, as a yeah. sort of cultural person. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I set up that and ran it for about, um, in the end, about 12 years. Um, initially started in my own home, as I said, with using all the different spaces in the house. So people would be invited mostly for performance work, um, which I also was really attracted to at that point because it wasn't part of the art market. It wasn't part of the art world, which wasn't, you know, the thing that I was sort of rejecting the whole model of it really. Um, and also you could in, it was pragmatic because people could come for the evening we could set up a show and then that was it, it was over and I could go back to living my life in yeah. my in my space you know rather than having to set up an exhibition and it being open and people coming and visit I kind of experimented with that for a while but that didn't really work and also again it was too much bound with the art world art market which I wasn't interested in um but then we shifted out of that quite quickly um then a couple of other women got involved, um, Mimi Banks I ran the project with as co-director and two other producers, Janet War and um, Jane Greenfield, who were amazing. And we started doing much bigger scale projects, but using the same principles, if you like, of the home, which was kind of inviting people in, very participatory work, very community-based, um, but with radical work. So exploring how can we sort of introduce this radical work to people in a way that they can sort of receive it. Do you think that part of your attraction to that was also, as well as it being pragmatic for your own life and where things were going, I think it was also um, attractive for the flexibility of the performers and the artists that you could invite in 
um, so that you could give them a space with a difference, I guess, in terms of how they um, used it for their own work? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, I mean, it, by no means is it a precedent. I mean, I was building on the shoulders of others. And, um, you know, I think at that time, people were looking at, I mean, there were interesting historical presidents, Mother House, and, you know, things like um, in the East End, um, with oh god names are going but you know people using their own spaces as exhibition spaces um kettles yard in cambridge um so you know there were lots of precedents for me to use so it was good to have that sort of history if you like to build on um but i think the great thing about working with live art and performance artists is that that's how they work they respond to spaces they're flexible they're interested in radical alternatives in lots of ways and so the artists that's why it was it was great to work with artists from that kind of community because that's a familiar way for them to work but I think they also enjoyed perhaps coming in to the space and again as I say our principles were very much around making people feel welcome that includes the artists you know um, trying to enable people to make the kind of work they want to make trying to make things accessible for them um, for the artists to enjoy and explore things, but also for the audience, make work accessible to them so yeah. that they can access it, rather than feeling like that kind of work is always in some kind of cold warehouse space on the edge of a city yeah. or in some huge cultural space that has this threshold which they don't feel comfortable stepping over. But somehow the idea of going to someone's house in Camberwell doesn't feel like necessarily you're going to some big cultural event but yeah. oh that's intriguing that sounds different that sounds interesting why not give it a go it was only five pounds you know I think it's really interesting um you I know you yourself can clearly see the transition into midwifery from what you've just described I can as well because <laughs> you were producing spaces for people to be comfortable within especially uh women uh, yeah. and women and using their bodies within performance um you, you're describing to me um what a good midwife does, uh, uh, you know, taking a space and making it accessible and comfortable and um, um, and a space for creativity to happen. Yeah, sure. I mean, I was going to say the other reference is the idea of the salon, which is, you know, yeah. this idea of a sort of cultured woman, um, you know, kind of enabling a space in which people come and talk about ideas and experience things. So that was also another kind of reference I forgot to mention, which, uh, so we called the event Salon Events initially. Um, and also I was aware of my own sort of privilege, you know, that I'm a sort of, you know, middle-class kind of, you know, bourgeois woman with her own house inviting people in. So, you know, I was also kind of aware of that sort of tradition, but that's okay. That's who I am, you know. Um, but yeah, the midwifery... Um, Connection. I mean, I was talking in a symposium recently about um, dance and birth, and I was talking about Marianne Rafferty, Anne Marie Rafferty, sorry, who's um, she's actually now the head of the Royal College of Nursing, but she's a professor of nursing at King's. And she, I went to a seminar just before I started um, training in 2013, where she talked about the choreography of care. And that really, really struck with me. And it's I've held it with me all the time. Literally every time I walk into a birth space, I think about what's the choreography of care? What's going on in this space? You know, how am I organising this space? How am I in relation to the woman? How are the other people that are coming in? How are they in relation? Where's the equipment? You know, and how incredibly important that is. And of course, there is a lot of research around that in terms of birth spaces being really, really important in terms of how they set up the care, how they set up actually what happens in the room. 
very crucially. So um, I think there are all sorts of connections. That was an interesting example of where someone sort of pulled me in because they were interested in birth from a dance perspective. Um, but I think there are, there are so many connections. And this really emerged through my training as a midwife. That I, every time I'd sit in a space, well, not every time, but many times I'd sit in a lecture and i think, there are so many amazing artists making work about this. Why aren't we looking at this? Why aren't we referencing this? And realising that I had these things in my head and many others didn't, obviously, because I'd had an arts background. And that kind of really was one of the things that prompted me to think, no, there's real space here to bring the arts in. And obviously then being aware of so many artists that are interested from the other perspective on birth and women's bodies and pregnancy and how that's depicted and wanting to bring that into midwifery. Um, and also that there is work and the head, I'm not the first to do this. Obviously, there are also lots of amazing midwives um, and artists who've turned into midwives that have done work around this as well. So it's also about connecting with what's already going on in the profession. Excellent. Um, could you tell me a bit more, Laura, about um, the maternal journal? Because yeah. uh, so... I, I know a couple of participants on uh, who have taken part in that, and the from what I've seen, it sounds like a phenomenal project that you have some really amazing aims for. So, if you could tell me about it, it would yeah, be great. sure. So, Maternal Journal came about because there was a small pot of money being offered by the Institute of Psychiatry in King's College London, the Cultural Institute trying to connect academics working in mental health neuroscience the brain at the Institute of Psychiatry with artists um, and they are really interested in how artists can sort of come up with insights but also even treatment plans working in connection with clinicians with academics um, around the treatment for mental health and insights into brain and neuroscience um, and so I saw this little fund and I thought ooh. I know how to write a funding application. I thought maybe maybe I should start doing this. Um, and so, um, yeah, I had this idea of maternal journal because I'm really interested in how we can bring bring the arts into directly into forms of treatment, really, as much as it can bring insights and awareness and even self-care, etc. I think it can also have a direct impact on, on treatment. And obviously there's a whole movement, arts and health movement, which is also something that I'm connecting with a lot at the moment. And there's amazing work going on there. Um, and so I felt that something like journaling could be a really interesting thing to introduce to women that have a history of mild to moderate mental health problems. Um, because journaling itself has a really fantastic sort of feminist tradition. Um, if one looks right back historically, keeping a diary, keeping a journal was one of the only ways that women had a means to express not only creative thoughts, but also social and political thoughts before they had access to you know, printing their work professionally. Um, and so it's very interesting to look back historically at women's diaries and journals and see um, see all of that work and connect with it. And I think even today, you know, there's women use journaling in many different forms. I think it's it's retained its kind of power as a form for women. So even if you look at things like, you know, Insta mums or blogging or, you know, there's so many journals you can buy, types of journals. So mm. I thought it was interesting to connect with that history for women. Um, and also the great thing about a journal is that actually, you know, if it's a plain book, you can do anything in it. You can write, you can draw, you can collage, you can sew, 
you know, and also it's something thing about it's containable and it's also affordable. Uh, you don't need a big studio, etc. Lots of expensive materials. So, yeah, I came up with this idea. Maternal Journal also is quite a sort of, you know, jaunty title um, and proposed this project and worked uh, with one of the academics, Carmini Parianti, who's an amazing um, psychiatrist, who is a sort of like one of those amazing sort of polymath people who just has interests everywhere. And he's worked with artists before. He's worked with um, Lynn Liu. So he has an interest in working with artists. So he was the academic I collaborated with. So we ran it as a short pilot last year. Um, and I think it sort of definitely has legs as a project um, and now looking to develop it so what I found is that a lot of people have approached me saying they want to set up a group how do they do it and so what I decided to do is raise some money from the Arts Council go back to writing Arts <laughs> Council applications uh, fortunately um, they were supportive so got some money from the Arts Council and now are setting up a website so the idea with the website is that it democratises the project. It makes everything available free, which is how I've always run things. Everything was either everything that I did at Homelight was either free or incredibly minimal cost. Um, so what we're doing is commissioning nine artists to run to set up workshop templates. We're working with amazing illustrator Merlin Strangeway, who's developing those into beautiful downloadable templates. Uh, lots of other resources on the website, things to look at, things to read, um, how to, you know, sheets. So that hopefully if people are interested in either setting up a maternal journal group or journaling on their own, all the resources are there free uh, to download. Amazing. Um, how have the midwifery community or maternity community in general um, received it so far? Really well, actually. Um and actually, we've been shortlisted for the Royal College of Midwives Excellence in Maternity Care Awards this year. We've just been shortlisted also for the Midwifery and Maternity Festival Innovation well Awards. So that's really interesting to me that it's getting support from both the artistic community via the Arts Council and also the Midwifery community. So I think, but I think that's maybe because, as I said, that tradition of sort of women's journaling and diary, it does people can connect to it quite easily. Um, and therefore, I think that it's people can sort of understand what it is. They've got a reference for it. Um, and hopefully we can sort of run with that a bit. So the website that you are creating, is that available now or is that coming? So up? it's going to be launched on the 1st of May. Um, we're doing an event at Somerset House, which is where the cult King's Culture Institute was be is based. Um, so it's on the 1st of May, we're going to have some taster workshops, um, we're going to have a little display of some of the journals uh, that women have created, and then we're going to have um, in the evening probably like a short kind of presentation where we'll show the website, have some speakers, some of the artists that we've commissioned. So um, we've got amazing artists, so Holly McNeish, who's a well-known poet and performer, she's uh, one of our artists, um, Kate Evans, who's an amazing cartoonist who's written done several amazing books about birth and um and breastfeeding um we've got um barbie asante we've got three artists of color who we've asked to um create templates for us as barbie asante is a visual artist uh, tolu agabesi and also bridget minamore um who is a poet as well 
Um, we've got Helen Sargent, who's a fantastic um, artist, visual artist, who does a lot of work around the maternal. Rebecca Fortnum and Sharon Boothroyd, uh, Fran Burden. So, yeah, we've got a really interesting range of artists um, and some of them will hopefully be at the launch as well. Excellent. Is, is the launch open to the public? It will be a sort of uh, event brights. It will be free as I try and make everything free. So, yeah, but you'll just need to register. So um, if you go to the Maternal Journal Facebook page, so if you just, you know, look look for Maternal Journal on Facebook, you'll find the page okay. where all the information will be. Um, the website will be maternaljournal.org. Okay. We can add the link to the bottom of brilliant, the podcast as well. Brilliant, that's great, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Laura, could you explain to me a little bit more about... Um, what what happens within the maternal journal the workshops that you run um yeah sure so we initially had it as five weeks we're hoping now to extend it to 10 weeks so the pattern with the group is that women are given a journal so like an a5 more like a sketchbook type journal um each week we have a different artist coming in that will introduce a different sort of way of using the journal um so trying to explore different forms whether it's writing prose poetry cartooning drawing collage so in the hope that people find a sort of way of using the journal that fits them best or they're introduced to new things that then you know they enjoy using um and then also at the beginning of each session we would ask women to if they wanted to share work they've done in the journal during the week so the idea is hopefully that through the workshops one of the aims is that women develop a sort of practice of journaling, that they keep going throughout the project, but also beyond. So it's trying to uh, suggest that the journal can be a positive thing for your mental health. So it's a way of having a creative outlet, but also sort of checking in on yourself um, and, um, you know, documenting what's going on. And so it's a kind of in that way, it's got a positive, um, you know, it will positively affect your mental health. Um, and also introduce you to, to being creative in ways that maybe you hadn't thought of before. Um, I think what was also really important in the group was was the sharing. So after each, so at the beginning of the session, people would share, but also after every exercise, people would share the work they'd done. And that would be a real opportunity for people to, again, open up about what's going on for them, how they're feeling. Um, and that would open up really interesting conversations, not just about pregnancy and birth, past experiences perhaps, or fears or anxieties, but also wider discussions about sort of cultural frameworks around pregnancy, birth and mothering. Um, so it ended up being a sort of a very sort of supportive group where people, I think, felt, you know, safe and able to share a lot of personal stuff, but also a lot of sort of political reflections um on pregnancy birth and mothering um and then they could feed that back into their journal and sort of see their journal as a way of also continuing that kind of inquiry if you like or that kind of exploration with the website the hope is that um because it's quite expensive to bring artists in unfortunately and therefore that can be a barrier to people being able to sort of run groups that you have the artist templates there so if you don't have the means to bring artists in, you can use the artist templates. So then, in a way, all, all you need, hopefully, is a workshop leader, which could be a midwife, could be a doula, could be anyone that's experienced. I was going to say, who, who are you hoping to Yeah, it could be anyone that's experienced in, work, in, in running groups and is interested in working with women, pregnant women or new mothers. 
Um, and so all the resources are there to run it in that way. If you can bring in artists as well, fantastic. Um, but if you don't, hopefully all the resources are there. So I think it also has that psychosocial aspect to it in terms of, you know, you're developing a community of women that also within the group um, share a lot of stuff and get a lot of support, but also out of the group, keep in touch. So, you know, WhatsApp group is set up and there's a Facebook, closed Facebook group that's there so that hopefully, as lots of as lots of pregnancy groups do, like if you go for antenatal, you know, NCT or something like that, one of the key outcomes is not just the information, everything you get in the group, but also the support you get long term through creating this community of women. So that hopefully is also an important aspect of the project. Okay, thank you very much, Laura. That's all right. Thank you for listening. This was Woman Up, a podcast series by Desperate Art Wives.